This is the true story of a New York City boy with big town hopes and small neighborhood dreams of becoming BFFs with the Real Housewives and other Bravo celebrities. Then, one day, that dream actually came true. Let me take you behind the velvet rope. Hey guys, this is David. Welcome back behind the velvet rope. Let's just get right into it today because we are joined from Dr. 90210 by Dr. Kat. How are you? I'm fantastic. How are you? Good. What are you up to today? Well, today I blocked off for um, a bunch of media interviews. I think I started with KTLA News and then there was something on NBC. I'm just happy that we were able to finally connect. I know we've been sort of communicating through uh, Instagram and social media, um, but I'm super excited for this show. And I know you're like the authority on all things reality TV. So I'm happy to be here. We tend to do a bit of reality TV here behind the velvet rope. That is a correct (laughs) statement. So you didn't have any surgeries today? No, and you know, actually today is normally one of my surgery days. I usually operate Monday, Wednesday, and some Fridays. Um, but I had a patient like a month ago, she had to move her surgery because of travel things. And I had this one open day. So I'm like, okay, let me just block it off and have this be sort of a media day where I can talk about the show. And your home now is this gorgeous piano in the background. This is your home. (laughs) Yes, I'm home. That's good. Have you been, are you busier because of COVID or like less busy or are you finding like people just are home and have time to recover and they're all like, let's get work done? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I feel like I've been like five to 10 times busier. Um, I think just like you said, I mean, most people are, you know, home working from home. So they have the ability to recover more comfortably versus, you know, trying to find that window where they can ask for time off of work. Um, I also say because everyone's wearing masks, you can kind of come in and out of the office more incognito. So I think that, you know, um, people feel more comfortable with that. But, um, you know, I think also it's just been such a challenging time for everyone. And, you know, I always say like plastic surgery, it seems like it's, all about the outside, but it's really all about the inside. So I think that for people who, you know, maybe were considering or thinking about plastic surgery now that, you know, they have some time to kind of focus on themselves, rethink things and do a little bit more self-care, maybe something that we, they were putting off in the future. And now they're like, okay, let me just do something for myself um, to feel better, feel happier and sort of take their life in a more positive direction. I think so. I mean, I said that, especially in the beginning, like in March, that was the first thing Mm -hmm. I said. I'm like, this would be the best time to get work done. Like right when COVID started, when the world was real, I'm like, nobody would ever know. You wouldn't have to like make up an excuse of where you were going for a month. Yeah. So so. it was, I mean, it's been, it's been great to be back at work with, you know, my patients, my office. Um, you know, and of course there's, you know, you know, very stringent, you know, precautions that are being taken, a lot of testing, especially pre-surgery, but it's been really good and it goes very smoothly and it's very organized. And I'm like a very 
obsessively clean person. <laughs> I always say, hey, I have an all white office that I've had for over seven years and there's not like a single smudge on it because we're constantly wiping and cleaning. So, you know, I think for, for us, it's, a, it's sort of like a standard of uh, cleanliness that we always had and now we're just taking it up a notch to an extra level. That's always good. Like when your plastic surgeon is kind of a clean freak. I mean, that's not a bad thing to be. <laughs> Are, are you from the California area originally? Uh, I actually grew I was born and I grew up in Delaware on the East Coast. Wow. And then um, I went to I, I went to Harvard for college. So I lived in Boston for four years. And then I flew out here for medical school at UCLA. So I consider myself to be an LA girl, though I've been here for a significant part of my life. Were your parents just like, I mean, it's every parent's dream, like Harvard and then becoming a doctor. Were your parents just like, bravo? <laughs> My parents have always been super supportive. Um, I've always just been like extremely driven and academic. So and my father went to Harvard. So when I was um, a child, it was always my dream to go to Harvard. So I think for me, that was, you know, a really big thing. And I, and I loved my experience there. You know, it's like super amazing to, you know, you're sort of like studying a textbook, whether it's like some ancient Mesopotamian civilization or, or someone who philosophized, you know, the evolution of man. And you're like reading the book and the person who's teaching it to you is like your professor, you know what I mean? Or they discovered it. So I think that, that and the fact that, you know, people that I went to school with were just so interesting, um, so smart. Uh, it, was, it was a really good experience. I did not like the snow or the cold <laughs> or the grayness. Um, so that's one thing. But in terms of just uh, university, it was, it was a really good experience. Welcome to the East Coast. <laughs> I know. My brother's still there. He's an ER doctor at Mass General. So he likes the cold and he likes the accessories, the scarves and stuff like that. <laughs> I'm, I'm in New York City, so I like the accessories. Yeah, definitely, you know, more accessories. Did you always like, since you were young, was it always medicine? Like you just knew you wanted to go into medicine? Well, I think I had an early inspiration because my godfather was a, a neurosurgeon and I came from a small town in Delaware and we actually shared the same last name, which was Wong. That was my maiden name. Um, so he, um, I remember when, so people always thought that I was related to him or that, you know, my mom was, you know, his, like his wife. So when I remember, you know, being in town and people would just come up to us, like, in the YMCA and the, in the supermarket. And they would just say, you know, Mrs. Wong, your husband saved my son's life. Or, you know, it was Christmas and there was an accident and, you know, he saved my husband. And I just, I remember like feeling that and thinking, wow, you know, medicine can make such a difference. It really touches people in so many ways. So I, because of that, I did always have an interest in medicine and I volunteered a lot um, at the local hospital because like most of my, my friend's parents were doctors. Like I said, it's a pretty small town. There's like one main hospital. And I think that just, you know, I was fascinated with the human body, but also just that like really super special connection, that trust um, that just drew me. And then I always feel like, you know, plastic surgery is just, it's a calling. It really is. You know, in, in medical school, you kind of spend your time rotating through you know different fields of medicine um and then 
you know, it's like, it's kind of like they say, you know, you're dating and when you meet the one, you just know <laughs> it's the same thing. It's sort of like when you just find that, that thing, you know, for me, it was plastic surgery that you're just destined to do. Um, there's just, that's the only thing you can do. You just know. What was it about plastic surgery? Like, as opposed to every other type of surgery? Well, a few things. I mean, plastic surgery is, it's, it's not just about, you know, saving someone's life. It's really about quality of life and just, there's this technical detail that I just love in the surgeries, like the anatomy and just the detailed work, but it's also extremely artistic. Um, you know, I, I have been involved in like art my whole life. I did a lot of painting, a lot of sculpting, and I just love beauty and aesthetics. So it was like a perfect combination of really detailed, challenging technical work combined with like beauty and art. And I feel like plastic surgery really helps people sort of express themselves. It's about like overall internal healing where someone, you know, tries to make a physical change in order to take that next step in their life where they feel more confident or sometimes, you know, there's like some wound or something from their past. They're like, okay, this is the time where I'm going to do something for myself and start this new phase of my life. So I love for me, it's a very holistic experience for patients. And just from a creative standpoint, like I feel like, you know, I get, I'm an artist. <laughs> I love that. It's funny because I think, because I had Dr. Lee and Dr. Colleen on the show. I think mm -hmm. doc, one of them said the same thing about like relating it to the arts and like just that it, there's an artistry to it, which I never really thought of before. So that, mm -hmm. that makes sense. Yeah, and a lot of the surgeries that I do now that I'm really known for, um, I've developed like my special sort of like I say secret techniques um, just from, you know, you know, problem solving and thinking about, oh, how can I make this, cons you know, how can I make this better? How can I make the, you know, incision thinner or make it look more natural or create contouring? So, you know, a lot of the surgeries I do, like I say, I mean, it's like things that I have, you know, created technically myself. And that's what I love about plastic surgery. Before I did plastic surgery, you, ha you have to do um, like a residency in a surgical field. And I did head and neck cancer reconstructive surgery, um, which technically I love because literally I was doing like microvascular surgery, sewing little vessels together. But it was very like step by step. It was like, okay, for this neck dissection or this surgery, you do step one, two, three, four. You know what I mean? It was just very programmed. Um, so what I love about plastics is, yeah, you can be creative and come up with your own ways and think like, okay, how can I make this look better or create this, you know, ideal shape. So, um, it's amazing. I'm really passionate about plastic surgery. <laughs> I could ramble on and on forever. That's good though. I mean, is that what you do? You just take something you've already done and one day you're just like, wait, I think I could do it a little better. You know, it's two years later, or like make that incision smaller. You just come yeah, to because you. Well, because in your plastic surgery training, you really sort of learn the basics about anatomy, how the tissues work, how to handle the tissues, um, and, and you sort of see like what's been done before, but plastic surgery has always been really innovative, you know what I mean? I think I wrote several papers when I was a surgery resident, just like, oh, you know, you try this technique and you see how it is, and then it looks amazing, and you write a paper about it. I mean, I actually wrote um, a textbook in 
um, the International Textbook of Aesthetic Surgery on vaginal cosmetic surgery. Um, and back then I'm like, oh yeah, I like this. But, but since then it's been like, you know, 12 years, my technique has evolved to be even better, you know? So we're always kind of building on what's been done before and then, you know, bringing like my own creativity and aesthetics, I've been able to really refine and improve a lot of those surgeries. Interesting. And I know you've said on the show, you know, it seems like it's about the outside, but it's really about the inside which that makes sense to me. Like, mm-hmm. what, you, can you elaborate on that? And then, I mean, is that really like the right time to get plastic surgery? And is there any, like, when is it not the right time? Like, when do you say no? And do you say no to a lot of people? Yeah, I mean, so whenever I do a consultation with a patient, um, you know, first of all, I really try to understand one, what sort of aesthetic they're trying to achieve. But number two, I really try to understand like, you know, the why, like what is it that they're trying to accomplish with surgery? And if I feel like a plastic surgery procedure isn't going to make them happier, if I feel like it's not going to have them see their own body or, you know, in a better way or have an improvement in their own body image, or if I feel like um, they don't have realistic expectations, then it's just not, you know, doing their surgery is just not the right thing to do. Um, I think that patients also need to be really healthy physically as well as mentally and emotionally before they undertake surgery. So, um, you know, because it is a surgery and it still, you know, has its risks. Um, and I think whenever someone's thinking about surgery, you have to weigh like the potential benefits with the potential risks. So really understanding all of that and looking at someone as a whole, whole person, um, I think it's really important because I think it's so important to always do the right thing. So the way that each person sees themselves, I think, I mean, that's why they get plastic surgery, right? In order to feel better um, about themselves and their body image. And so I think that, um, you know, that's, that's the, um, if they don't feel that way, or if it's not going to happen with surgery, I just, I just don't operate on them. Right. Like you almost have to work on the inside. Like, I really think in a way what you're saying is like plastic surgery is for people who have like worked on the inside to get yeah. more or less or they healthy. just need to be in a good place. So if someone, for example, if someone just has, you know, extreme negative self-talk, they um, view themselves in a way that's just, you know, no matter what it is or how beautiful and how amazing they look on the outside, they're still going to perceive themselves in a really, you know, negative or or hurtful way, then doing a plastic surgery procedure is not going to change that. Um, Now, on the flip side, sometimes there's just like a physical thing, you know, that's holding someone back. I mean, the surgeries that I do the most of are tummy tuck surgeries, especially mommy makeovers. So it's like, you know, post-pregnancy, you know, women, a lot of times they have like a really loose abdominal wall. The muscles have been pulled apart by being pregnant. They have a lot of extra skin. They're otherwise like, you know, super healthy. They've done the diet, they've done the exercise, but there's just, you know, something that, you know, they feel like impairs their quality of life. Like they have to, you know, this extra piece of skin, they can't wear the clothes they want. They, you know, they want to be able to kind of be free and be on the beat, you know, whatever it is that for that person is holding them back from living their best, most complete full life. Um, no one really needs plastic surgery, right? It's just a want. So 
if making that physical change through surgery is going to let them just feel more free to be themselves and to really experience life more fully, then that's, you know, that's what plastic surgery should be for. So, which is the majority of, you know, most of the patients that come into my office. So, and I think on the show, it really emphasizes that because the patient stories are so relatable. Um, I think, you know, in one of the episodes coming up, um, I mean, I had a patient who, I don't want to give it away, but who lost like over 200 pounds, you know what I mean? So they've done all the work and it's like, you know what I mean? They want to take, they're coming to a new phase in their life where they're healthier. They have their life more together. There's things, activities they want to do, but it's like a part of their past where they didn't take as good care of themselves. It's like holding them back. So the plastic surgery is like that final thing that they're like, okay, let me start this new phase. Last Monday, which was episode three, which was like one of my favorite episodes, it was like a mom post-pregnancy and she just, she wanted to get her pre-baby body back, you know? So I think all these stories are really relatable. And I just, the thing that I love about the show is how in-depth it goes into the patient stories, how it presents plastic surgery in the way that it truly is, which is meaningful and inspirational. And you really get to understand the why. You know, so I think it's the why that is so important. And I think what makes this show really great. That makes sense. And it, well, one thing I've learned from the show, which I didn't know, is that women are only 15% of plastic surgeons. They only make a 15%. Yeah, like less. <laughs> I mean, when I, I mean, when I came out, when I started private practice, it was like less than 10%, less than 10% of board certified plastic surgeons were women. I mean, I go to these plastic surgery conferences and it was just like, you know, one me like in a sea of like dark, you know, like dark suits and a whole bunch of men. Um, everyone used to always think I was like a, you know, a, a drug rep or one of the um, assistants. And I'm like, do you see my name tag? <laughs> it says like ND, you know? So, and recently, like last year before COVID, I went to, um, you know, there's like sort of like a national plastic surgery meeting, the American Society of Plastic Surgeons. So I went to this meeting and there was like, so many more women. It was amazing. Um, and it was amazing to meet, you know, young women who are like, you know what, you know, thank you so much for your social media because I used to feel alone or I used to like feel like, okay, is this a field I should be going into? It's so male dominated. Um, so I think, you know, this show is awesome because it's, you know, for female plastic surgeons and it allows women who are maybe thinking of going into medicine or science or even surgery or plastic surgery, um, you know, to be able to see that, yeah, you know, women can do that too, you know, like sort of breaking the stereotypes of what a traditional Beverly Hills plastic surgeon should be like. Did you face like opposition, like when you, like in med school or did anyone ever say like, you know, oh, you're a woman, you can't, you can't be a plastic surgeon. Oh my God. It's like beyond that. It's been like my whole life. <laughs> I mean, I think I heard you can't, you can't like so much when I was growing up, like girls like you don't become doctors or just there was, I mean, there have been times where there was like even extreme like you know misogynistic comments like you know women have no place in the OR and like all kinds of crazy stuff that like I don't even know if that would fly in this day and age um and, or even being told like oh when you go for your interview you know wear glasses and you you know have hide your chest and you know maybe wear a collar otherwise no one's going to take you seriously and I was just thinking wow you know we should all be able to be seen for our abilities, um, you know, and what we're able to do and not have 
your hair or how you look like or anything on the outside um, to take away from that. So, you know, sort of an important message that, you know, let us all be seen for who we truly are and our abilities um, and not to judge, you know, a book by its cover. And like, do you think the industry, like you said, like now you go to this conference, you see a lot more women, like has it come far or it still has like a long way to go? Yeah, I mean, I think statistics wise, I mean, it's still kind of like an insanely small number, right? I mean, I'm trying to, I actually one day research like, you know, what fields have less than 15% that are women. And I mean, there was like only one or two, you know, so um, I think that on social media, I try to be as real and transparent as possible. Um, I think also just in terms of balancing, you know, family, kids, life, and a career, I think sometimes that's really intimidating for women. I know that, you know, for myself, a lot of people told me, oh yeah, you'll never have time for a family or you can't be a successful surgeon and, you know, have kids and get married. And so I think that, you know, just showing that, you know, obviously it's, you know, it's, it's not easy. Sometimes it's difficult to make sure that everything important in your life gets proper attention. Um, but to know that, you know, you can, you know, it's like, I feel like I hurt. I can't, I can't, you can't, you can't my whole life. So I just want to say, you know, you know what you actually can, anything that you're really passionate and really believe in that's important to you. Um, you definitely can do all those things in a way where you give, you know, love and attention to all the things that are important in your life. The wait is over. That's right. Season five of the Kardashians is here. Just when you thought life couldn't get any faster, they're punching it into overdrive. Chris, Courtney, Kim, Chloe, Kendall, and Kylie are back and continue to defy expectations in all their endeavors. So get ready to go behind the glitz and glamour of the most iconic family on television. The all-new season of The Kardashians premieres May 23rd, streaming on Hulu. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. That's great. What about, like, what are the trends? Like, are you seeing certain trends in plastic surgery? Like, what are the current hot trends? I mean, there's always so many. Um, but I think that, I, you know, one of, one of the trends, actually, that I am really, well, one of the trends that I'm happy about is I feel like overall, um, more women are looking for a more natural look. You know, there's a lot of celebrities who've been dissolving filler, you know, taking things out. Whereas I think maybe five years ago or so, it was just all about like the extreme, like really big butts, really big lips, like everything was super overdone. Um, and a lot of people were aspiring to look like other people. You know, I would get like a lot of like, request to look like someone else or this picture on Instagram. Whereas now I feel like more women are just kind of, you know, they're like appreciating themselves more and saying, you know what, this is me and let me, you know, just make a little improvement. So I have, you know, a better curve or I have just a little pop to my look, you know what I mean? So that I love because I feel like women being able to see themselves and appreciate themselves 
but you know, but, and it's okay to like want to do something a little special, you know, that makes you feel like you have that pop is great. Um, rather than, you know, wanting to look like someone else and that someone else being extreme. Um, in my own practice, I have seen a huge trend when it comes to vaginal cosmetic surgery. Um, and probably the reason for that is because it's one of my specialties. There are actually very few people who really do this surgery. And I've been very um, open and vocal about this surgery because a lot of women just don't know about it or they're interested in it, but they just feel embarrassed or, you know, have been like judged, you know, by, by wanting to have the surgery. So for me on my social media, I've really tried just to open the conversation. So women feel comfortable, like talking about their, you know, any part of their body. And if, you know, for comfort reasons, hygiene, or just aesthetically, someone wants to make a physical change and make an improvement in their vagina, they should have the right to do that. You know what I mean? Without feeling taboo. Um, so I have, I mean, that is a really big part of my practice. And um, I think after the show, because I did on the first episode, I did a vaginal reconstruction and labiaplasty on um, a celebrity, one of the former, one of the pussycat dolls. I think it will become even more of a topic of conversation and also a trend. How would you decide, like, how did this become part of, you know, like a huge part of your practice as one of your specialties? Well, I think that when, so when I was a resident, um, you know, I became exposed to it as a surgery that was actually done. And then I just realized like, wow, you know, cause I, I'm like, I was really drawn to a very female specific female oriented plastic surgery. You know what I mean? Because, um, I mean, obviously, you know, women <laughs> have vaginas and we probably think about it, you know, more than, well, Maybe that's not true, but I think that just in terms of like a personal, um, you know, a lot of women go to like a female OB-GYN and I felt like, wow, you know, if there's so few female plastic surgeons, but this is such an important area of the body, you know? So um, one, I think that just such a female specific surgery really drew me to it, being a female plastic surgeon. And then I think just over, you know, the beginning of my career over the years, just hearing the stories of patients who really wanted this surgery. I mean, some patients had like really, really super long labia or a lot of asymmetry. You know, they always felt like they had to tuck it in and just hearing how they would go to a doctor and kind of bring it up or they would bring it up to their, you know, maybe their primary care doctor, OB-GYN. And they were like almost, you know, shame for it. Like they'd be like, oh, why do you want to do that? You know, and so they would, you know, these women, they would tell me they would like go in line at night and like try to Google and see like if there's anything that could be done. You know what I mean? And, um, and I was like, wow, like no one should have to Google in the dark secretly and feel like, you know, ashamed about that. So I think because of that, and also the fact that it just makes such a huge difference in women's lives for the ones who really want to get it done, where they don't have to constantly think about it, you know, just to not have to think about tucking things in. I can't get on the bike without it rubbing. What can I wear? That's not going to like go up in the crack and like, you know, cause irritation. I mean, it is real life, you know, every day. Um, and it's just, it just makes such a significant improvement for, for women and their lives. So, and it's also like with lots of tiny little sutures, <laughs> which is really detailed. Like I use like three and a half magnifying lip, you know, lenses to like do the surgery. So it's like really precise and it's perfect and symmetric and tucked in as possible. What about, I don't remember if this was in a particular episode or on the trailer, but when you said- sure. 
when you said psychology and you're a psychologist, where did this word come from? You know, because, um, so I was, I, it came from the fact that I was actually um, in the process of writing a book about, um, you know, what it is to be a woman in today's age and um, just, you know, the nature of feminine energy. Cause I just find that to be so powerful and something that should be celebrated. I mean, I will say vagina is such an important part of the body, right? That's where all life stems from. So, you know, I'm very spiritual in that way. So anyway, so the, so the psychology kind of came out of that, like, which I trademarked the term psychology. And then I think I just happened to like, talk about it when I was like in the surgery. And then of course they grabbed that, that, that makes me a psychologist. I mean, but it is, it's sort of like, you know, there is a, there is this deeper understanding and appreciation for female vagina that exists that I also, you know, that I have. How did the show come about for you? Like, how did you get involved? So, I mean, I've been with this show for a really long time. Um, initially, like five years ago, I think it was like 2015, um, myself and uh, one of the producers from Entertainment One, we actually had shopped and shot like a, a, like a pilot sizzle reel, a sizzle reel for a different plastic surgery show. And um, he brought it to E as one of the networks. And um, the, exec, the execs at E, they didn't really like that show, but they were like, whoa, female plastic surgeon, you know, in Beverly Hills. Um, and so they came to the office and we sort of sat down and had a meeting and they're just like, oh, we really love this. You know, we, um, we want to do something that's like different. That's, you know, female plastic surgery show. So out of that, um, we ended up putting together an ensemble. There was three of us, Dr. Suzanne Court, who's currently on the show. She was one of the original cast members and there was a third plastic surgeon. Um, and then just, we did this ginormous pilot um, and then, you know, kind of went through spring sweeps. And then like, there was a whole thing where we lost one of the doctors, we we're trying to replace her and then it just kind of all fell apart. So then after that, I was like, done with TV. I'm just going to work on my social media. It takes me 10 minutes to film something, which takes like three weeks to film on TV. And I didn't even think anything of it until about two years ago. Um, I got a call from, uh, you know, my agent at the network. They were like, you know what? They want you to come in um, to talk about botched. Like, I guess um, I had my 40th birthday and my husband threw me this party, which was like a goddess theme. So there was like all these little stations where it was all different goddesses, you know, like getting milk poured on them like rhinestones and I guess I don't know someone saw it and they were like we love this that female powerful energy how do we put this in a botch so like I think we went there and we like had these conversations about like you know how can we fit me and this like feminine vibe into botch which obviously <laughs> was really hard to figure out um, and then after that they're just like you know what why don't we just bring back this show um, from three years ago and then it got recasted and that's how Michelle and Kelly ended up joining the show. And then after multiple working titles, they're like, hey, remember that show, Dr. 90210? Why don't we make this a reboot of Dr. 90210? So this show is like so near and dear to my heart. I feel so invested in it because I've had such a long history and I'm just so excited because I feel like that vision, that, 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 feeling that captures that's like in-depth that's very 
you know, female positive and female empowering is just so captured in this show. Um, and they did such a great job with everything, like the production, the other doctors with their surgery. It's just, it's really amazing. And I love it. Now, you don't have to say yes just because you're on this podcast, but like, were you a reality TV fan <laughs> before this? Like, did you watch a lot of reality TV? I used to, but do you know what I did watch? The original Dr. 90210. Um, and you know what's so interesting is that I remembered when I watched that show, because it was like a long time ago, and I was like, I think I was like an intern or something. I remember seeing that and it did sort of inspire me to really want to be a Beverly Hills plastic surgeon. And I remember saying, you know what, one day I'm going to be the new Dr. 90210. And I told my mom that. And I remember when they made the show, the Dr. 90210, I was like, oh my God, mom, remember when I called you? And I'm like, this show is like so cool. And I, I just, I just feel it. I'm going to be the next Dr. 90210. It's just a matter of time and training. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I, I do, um, in general, reality TV, I used to watch a lot of it when I had more time, but nowadays between my daughter and hanging out with my family and my medical practice and the show and the skincare line, um, I tend not to watch as much television. Did you watch Botched ever? I did. I watched like mostly the first episode, I think, or the first season um, and Botch is a great show. Like I, you know, every once in a while I'll pop up and I'll watch a clip here or there. Um, I think it's great because it really helps show, you know, like it's, in, it's, you have to show all aspects of plastic surgery, not just, you know, the wins, but also, you know, to, to help educate the public and let them know, you know, there is a potential that it, you know, there are risks involved. And I think that it's been, you know, a really revolutionary show in terms of, you know, not glorifying buying plastic surgery um and you know those guys are like super funny <laughs> i knew both i think i knew i knew dr nasa from when i was a resident um but it's it's good and it's and i think it's been a great lead-in for our show so you know i do appreciate botch and what it's done for you know plastic surgery in general and also for our show dr 90210 and you were gonna they were literally talking to you about like being a third doctor on botched initially somehow yeah that's how like this whole that, that's how this whole show I and mean, that's how the whole show came came back it's been such a crazy journey really I think that when we um were about to launch the premiere I found this old email from 2015 from the original producer who's like okay he's gonna be coming to the office today and I like took a screenshot and I like sent it to him and our new and our new producer and I'm like Finally, I can't believe it. It's been such a journey. What are Terry and Paul like? Or I don't know if you know Terry, but what are Terry and Paul like in real life? You know, I don't know them that well, I'll be honest with you. Um, but I think they pretty much put it all out there on TV. So I'm guessing that what you see is what you get, which I think makes for great TV. Do you watch any of The Housewives? I used to watch a lot of The Housewives. Um, you know, I'll be honest with you, the last few years, I've really tried to create like a very peaceful, positive <laughs> temple framework around myself and my, my life. So, you know, when there's a lot of conflict or, you know, like negative drama, I, I feel like I try to protect myself from that. Um, but I love, you know, logging into various sites and checking out little clips and stuff like that. 
And um, yeah, the housewives, I mean, that's a, you know, it's, it's classic. And, you know, I think that everyone does have this dream, you know, of what Beverly Hills is like. So I do appreciate the fact that they, you know, put it all out there and share their lives with the world, good or bad, um, because it takes a lot to have that, you know, vulnerability and be on TV in that way. Did you ever have any reservations? I mean, like you were with this show from the beginning, you know, and that's not what Dr. Nano 210 is, but you never know until it's really being filmed. Like, did you have any reservations of like, you know, is this really going to be a surgery show or are they going to really go into like whatever? I mean, they show your life, but you know, did you ever think yeah, like, I mean, oh God, I, this could go wrong? Yeah, I mean, I think that anyone who goes on TV feels that way. You know what I mean? You're like, there's always that control, trust, like, am I going to come across that way? And I think that at a certain point, if you decide and commit to do a show, you just, you just have to let that go. You know, like that's part of the personal growth <laughs> um, yes. that, you know, I've really spent a lot of time on. And I think that, you know, the reason why I did this show, not only to showcase plastic surgery in, um, you know, the positive light and, and the, the depth that I feel like it truly is, I think that, you know, for myself, just, you know, being open and, and vulnerable um, was important for me to do for myself. And I think that the other thing is that this, I really, really, truly trust um, and respect the production company that we worked with. Obviously, I've known them for a really long time. And I think that trust and respect just made such a huge difference for me. And they did beyond like like honestly because we don't get to see the show you know until it it like literally they give it to us maybe a few days before or hi Layla <laughs> my daughter just popped right in um my, we get it a few days before and we've never seen it before like I don't even know we don't interact at all so I didn't even know like what the other doctor did so um every time I've seen anything I'm just like oh my god this is even better than how it was I mean they did an amazing job like I mean, really, the production key, I'm like always texting them, oh my God, you guys are so good. Like, how do you edit it like that? Like, how do you make it look all glam like that? So, I mean, I didn't appreciate how much of the creative the production does until actually being on the show. So, I mean, Entertainment One, they're just amazing, honestly. Did you ever have anyone from production, because Terry, Dr. Dubrow told this story, not related to E or anything, but just sure. botched. Like, the production is in the operating room and they're not doctors. So like, did you ever have anyone like today on your Instagram, I was doing a deep dive into your Instagram and I saw one of your videos, mm -hmm. which thank you for putting a warning. I still watched it. And I'm just like, Oh my God, <laughs> like, I don't, what? I think you were doing a tummy talk. So like, did you ever have anyone from production yeah. just like pass out or, you know, cause they're not used to seeing the inside of a human being. Right. You know what? I was impressed. I was, I was nervous about someone passing out. Um, but they did awesome. I was like impressed. And I have like, I don't know if you saw in the first episode, but I have a lot of OR rules. <laughs> I mean, like I have like two pages of rules. So beforehand, I'm like, these are the rules, you know, don't touch this stand back here. Don't talk when I'm operating. Like, you know, and then I had like all my staff, like, you know, like guarding my temple of operating space. You know what I mean? But, um, they they were fantastic. I didn't even feel them at all. I mean, I am used to filming in surgery anyways. So I think that helped me personally, but I mean, it was so seamless and 
they just did such an amazing job. I'm like, you guys, thank you for making me look like better than I actually looked, you know? So um, I just loved working with them and it, and it was great. It was really such a good experience. How important, because obviously it's Dr. 90210, it's said in Beverly Hills, but just like in your real life, like how important was like Beverly Hills? You know, it's one of the plastic surgery capitals of the world. I'm in New York City. You know, I would imagine there's surgery everywhere, but Beverly Hills must, you just, it must be a busy practice because it's in Beverly Hills. Like everyone gets work done. Yeah. Well, I think I remember once I Googled Beverly Hills plastic surgeon and literally there were so many dots on the map. Like it just was like a big blob. <laughs> so yeah, there's definitely, you know, more plastic surgeons in Beverly Hills probably per square mile than anywhere else. Um, but I think for me personally, um, you know, because I have such an active social media and I actually show, like you said, I show my surgeries live for patients who want to do that on my social media. I follow them, you know, I show, this is what it looks like post-op day one, you know, one week after surgery. I think, I think patients and viewers are really able to appreciate how gentle I am in surgery, like all those little technical details um, and how meticulous I am. And so I feel like they're able to almost get that like inside look to see how it is that I operate and they can see, you know, how quick the recovery is, you know what I mean? So for me, it's really, you know, sort of created and built my practice just through being transparent and letting people see what I actually do. Cause I think otherwise as a plastic surgery, you know, potential patient, you're just like, how do you, you know, how do you pick? Like everyone just puts their best before and afters, you know, on their website. Um, but like actually seeing the nuances and the differences in surgical technique, the cleanliness um, and how meticulous and the suturing, I think that that's what's allowed me to be really successful. And then also just the fact like that I have a really, really deep connection with my patients. And I think just communication and taking the time to really understand someone's personal aesthetic. Um, I think that's so important, but Yes, there are a lot of plastic surgeons in Beverly Hills. <laughs> and where did the social media, okay, so first of all, 1.2 million followers without being on a TV show. So how did this happen? And like, when did you decide, like, how did you get 1.2 million followers? It's really one of the questions. And when did I you mean, decide? You know, that, it, well, I was going to say, like, when did you decide well, to I like mean, make this part of your practice, so to speak? I mean, I've been on social media for, you know, a, a while, like over five years. And just like anything else in life, it just took a lot of time, a lot of effort to grow and build um, just kind of organically. And I think that, um, I think for me, initially, one of the hardest things about being on social media is just, you know, that vulnerability, just kind of letting yourself just be yourself, you know, and and I think once I started doing that, like once I had the courage just to be myself and show things as they are, I think that creates a connection. Like people can feel that, you know, they can feel who you are. And if you're being authentic and real, even through social media, I think that as doctors and especially like a female doctor, that's the hardest barrier to break through. Cause you're like, in your head, you're hearing everyone tell you, you're not going to be taken seriously. You have to act a certain way. You have to talk to, you know, like all those voices from everyone who's ever told you what to do is like in your head. So being able to just free yourself from all that and just 
feel comfortable being yourself, I think was such a huge thing. And then just slowly, as I shared, you know, not only surgeries or before and after photos, but really my brand um, is about, you know, encouraging women or all people to really pursue their dreams and know that they can accomplish anything. You know, it's such a long process for any dream. You know, there's like so many steps on the road. Plastic surgery has like years of steps. But I think just being able to sometimes see the light at the end of the tunnel, knowing that it took a lot of hard work, it took a lot of ups and downs, obstacles, moments of self-doubt. I think that, you know, going through that journey and sharing that journey with people and then showing, you know, like, hey, you know, it is doable. Anything you dream can happen. I think that that's been, um, you know, a reason why a lot of people have connected to me through social media. So um, it just, it's just taken, it takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of effort, just like anything else. And I think a lot of people think like, oh, you know, how come, how come I can't grow it just like that? Well, it's like, you know, you have to put the time and effort and put yourself into it. You know, I know all about that. Yes. It's a full-time job in and of itself. Do you think like social media, like just in the world of medicine and like plastic surgery today plays like a big role? Yes. I mean, I think it makes doctors a lot more accessible and I think that, you know, it makes it easier for someone to, you know, like if you want to watch a surgery video, then you can, you know, watch it um, on your social media. If you're curious to hear about, you know, a doctor's philosophy or how they approach, you know, a particular procedure, it kind of, it's like, it, it bridges that gap, you know, whereas before it's like, I think the way that most doctors got patients or connected with patients is like, you know, through a referral, like they would just, you know, ask people, which is still also just as good. But I think it's like that direct, you know, connection that comes through social media that's allowed patients to have better access, you know, to their physicians and really get to know them even before they come into the office. And I would imagine, I mean, I don't know if you're seeing this already just because only a few episodes air, but I would imagine being a doctor on TV has to eventually be helpful for one's practice. Like if it was me, I mean, I trust doctors I see on TV because I see them doing these surgeries and I'm like, all right, they, I'm watching it. Yeah, I mean, it, I think it's just another form of connection, you know, so whether it's direct, you know, through a daily post or an Instagram story or a TikTok video, um, TV is just, you know, another way that we connect with each other. So, um, I mean, I think that, you know, it's been, it's been a great experience because, you know, like when you have the, you know, like the production and the glam and I mean, like I said, pro the props to the production, <laughs> um, you know, so, I mean, I think that, you know, like it, the way that it's packaged and presented is definitely different from social. So it's just a different way for, you know, patients to, you know, get to know us doctors um, through, uh, you know, through a, a, a media medium and also like to see the surgeries, you know what I mean? Like, I think the, the last week's surgery did a tummy tuck and lipo and BBL and I'm like, the before and after was so dramatic. I'm like, you know, I, I feel like if patient, you know, if people were watching that, they'd be like, wow, that was like a really great result. Let me find out who this doctor is. So it definitely, you know, like with anything else, I think if you're a good surgeon, it's going to help you. I guess if you're a bad surgeon, it would probably have completely the opposite effect. That's true. What about, you know, like to your point earlier and like, because of shows like botched, you know, like it, 
I think before Shell Like Botched, I never realized just how many botched cases there were. So like, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I get it. People want money, but like what goes through doctors' minds? Like it's scary that there are just so many bad doctors that will just take your money and just don't know what they're doing. Well, you know, it's a combination of things. I mean, I think that I, I really truly believe that most doctors want to do the right thing, really. Um, I mean, there may be, you know, certain times where, you know, maybe like they get pushed to do something, they're not sure. Maybe, I mean, I think sometimes people just don't have an eye. Like, I don't feel like it's intentional, but it's, you know, surgery is a, is a talent like anything else. It's sort of like, you know, if you take a painter, everyone can take an art class, but not everyone, you know, not everyone's painting is going to look, you know, fantastic, right? Like, you know, so um, I, I don't think anyone ever wants to hurt another person, of course. I mean, I would hope not. But, you know, the unfortunate thing is that, you know, bad plastic surgery does happen. I mean, I think 20% of my practice, maybe more, is fixing botched plastic surgery. And, um, you know, I just, I, I really encourage patients to really, you know, do their homework, watch people's videos, look closely at the before and afters. And I think social media is great in the fact that now you can actually see, like you can look firsthand and see what people are doing. You know what I mean? So um, I think that, you know, like I said, botch is great for awareness, but I think more just so, you know, so people can know, you know, see the full range of what's out there and then they can make the best decisions for themselves. Why do you think so many people get, like addicted, you know, like they have like a legitimate thing, like you said, like, which is the right reason to do plastic surgery. And then you fix it and the outside matches the inside. But then, you know, a lot of people say, well, wow, if she could fix that, I want three other things. Like I I could see why, like, why do you think certain people just go down that road of addiction with surgeries? I mean, that's like a, that's a weighted question. It has more to do with the addiction than plastic surgery, right? Because I mean, people can be addicted to anything. So, you know, when it, when we're talking about addiction, really, like, I think that's like a, it's a topic in its own where someone is, you know, using something else for coping, you know what I mean? And I think that it's important as a plastic surgeon to know when, um, you know, to be sensitive to that and know, and, and kind of really feel when it may not, you know, when doing surgery on someone may not be the right thing to do, you know? So, Um, I always feel like I am really good at feeling people and I feel blessed to um, really, you know, like I've never not, I've never regretted not operating on somebody. That's good. And even though you said it's down, like from a celebrity point of view, you know, like people always wanted like Kim Kardashian's ass or like Kylie's lips, like what are the trends in like celebrity? Like where someone comes in and says like, is there a trend now where like a certain celebrity is being ask for more than others? There's this new trend, this cat, this fox eye trend. <laughs> I was just asked about another thing. I don't know if you've seen it. I think they, they use like um, Bella Hadid as the example where, you know, like the eyebrow and the eye are like pulled at an angle like that and it's done with threads. That's the one thing that I've seen. I don't know if you talked to Dr. Lee about it. Uh, people are plus and minus about it. I think um, that's a big trend. And um, you know, I think other, I mean, and also taking out breast implants is another huge trend. I, I talked about that a little bit and touched on some of the reasons why today on my Instagram post. So a lot of people are actually removing their implants. I think in the 80s, maybe like really big boobs or implants was a thing, you know, trend. And I think 
now a lot of you know women are actually removing their implants and doing explant surgery so we'll see i mean there's and then there's all these like non-invasive you know like that melt fat and tighten thing i mean for me i'm i'm, I'm very conservative you know if there's a newest you know thing I usually will like wait and let everyone else experiment on it for a few years and then I'll try it on myself first before I'll do it on a patient. So um, I just, you know, I just want to make sure <laughs> that there's, I'm not going to do anything that's going to harm somebody or, um, and like I said, I like to have firsthand knowledge. So I guess that's one of the benefits of being a woman and, and having had work done or trying things, I can give a firsthand experience to my patients. And a lot of those things, you know, like M sculpts and all these like cryotherapy, like some of them do work. It's hard to say, you know, I did try the M sculpts. Um, I actually which, tried it before too. Yeah. Which I love, I mean, which I like, it kind of makes you feel like you're doing something. Cause I mean, it really is pretty intense. Um, but I couldn't, I couldn't tell yet because I also like really work out, you know, like I, um, I used to be a fitness model. My husband and I are both part of the fitness industry. So I'm like, I don't know if it's me or the machine. I mean, I think in the end, before I try something or sell something to a patient, I want to feel a hundred percent about it. Um, that's just really important to me to do the right thing. Did your husband, I don't know, what did you think? Did you think that it, did it give you abs? I'm so, like, I kind of already had abs, but then I'm like, did it or did it not? I couldn't tell. I think I'd have to try it more. I mean, I just have, I don't know why. Like in my mind, surgery works in a mind. This is just my own. I'm not a doctor. In my mind, like mm -hmm. surgery works and all these other machines and stuff don't. I don't know. That's just what I Yeah. Believe. Well, I mean, there's a limit, right? I mean, like surgery actually changes somebody anatomically. Like if you do lipo, you're physically removing fat cells. The non-invasives, they do make a small improvement, you know, but it's not going to do the work of like physically, you know, like physically removing fat, physically tightening the skin or just, or, you know, things like that. I think that um, the important thing is just for anyone who's, you know, selling this tech, these technologies to be really honest with people, you know, if they just, just say, hey, you'll get like a 10, 15% improvement. It's not going to be as good as surgery, but, you know, if you want to try this instead of surgery, then just, you know, I think just honesty and being transparent and and, and just really telling people what to expect. I think that's the most important thing. And then they can make a decision for themselves of what they want to do. That makes sense. Did your husband and daughter like not want you to do the show or were they like, sign us up? Where are the cameras? Or they just were like, we yeah, I mean, we're, all of us are pretty active on social media. My daughter's like, or, you know, this like really big TikTok girl, yes. star now. Um, so you know, and, and we've been with this show for, like I said, over five years. So, I mean, and then it was more, the first time we shot the pilot, it was more 60, 40. So they were really, it was like really people in our house. Um, and so I think, you know, we, we kind of put it all out there. And I think that as a doctor, it's good to see like physicians as real people. You know what I mean? Like there's a wall, like we're just, you know, I'm just a person like everyone else. Um, but no, they're super supportive. We're like, we're excited. Like we, you know, like a lot of times we've come up with ideas together on, you know, what parts of our life we want to, um, show. So for us, it's been, it's been fun. I mean, my parents even flew in from the East coast, both for the pilot and also for the show. So we're all on board. That's good. And then one final question, like, so you're in Beverly Hills. I imagine, I mean, obviously you're not going to tell me, but I imagine, you know, you get 
people walk in your practice that are well-known or famous and there's just mm-hmm. plenty of famous people walking around Beverly Hills. Like, are you the type to get starstruck? And like, have you ever gotten starstruck where not even like someone just walking in your office, but just living in Beverly Hills where you're like, oh my God, we're sitting next to so-and-so. You know, I think living in LA for such a long time, you know, most of us are used to seeing celebrities. And I think in Los Angeles, we just sort of are really good about respecting people's privacy when it comes to something like that. And also, I think just as a doctor, I mean, I see people for who they are. I mean, approaching a patient and trying to really understand them. Um, I just, I don't, I kind of don't see anyone in that way for, you know, what they do. Um, I do take a lot of things into consideration, though, for my patients, because I do have a lot of celebrity patients, especially in entertainment. Um, most of them really are very private, and they don't want to make it obvious that you know they've had any work done. So I think that is one of the things that I'm really known for, which is creating really natural looking results. Um, and I think that's, you know, and I think that that's really important, especially for our patients who are more high profile. And one final question, because I know you said earlier, like the trend is away from this, but do you see a trend in, or just in general, like, do you see a difference in like Beverly Hills plastic surgery? Not necessarily you, because you like to have natural results, but you know, like to me, plastic surgery in Beverly Hills is different even than like New York or the rest of the world. And that it is less natural with air quotes. Like, do you oh, really? see that? <laughs> well, I mean, I think so. I'm not sure. I mean, possibly, but I guess for me, my practice is, is kind of unique in the fact that, you know, I would say maybe 40% of my patients actually come from out of state or even um, overseas. So, you know, I have a lot of patients who fly in from other places to have surgery with me. So I just, I'm not sure. I don't really know how to compare it. <laughs> and I'm not a doctor, do so. I'll have to do more research in that. If you don't see it, then don't listen to me because I'm not a doctor. <laughs> well, listen, I seriously, I appreciate all your time. I know you're busy in between surgeries, doing some media, but tell everyone, oh, and love the skincare line. I got the stuff you sent me. It was great. Oh, so, awesome. Thank yeah. you for that. So, Lamb. You're so it, welcome. So good. So tell everyone where they can find you online with your 1.2 million followers. <laughs> so my Instagram is beauty by Dr. Kat. And then I have a purely medical page for people who really want to see medical procedures. That's surgeon. And the skincare line is um, my MD Glam. And don't forget to watch the show Monday nights at 10 p.m. on E. It's such a good show. I am not just saying that because you're here. It's great. I hope it has a very long life. It's a wonderful show. I think this needed to be made with all women. I think it's the right time. And so congratulations on that. And I'll be watching. And thank you so much for joining us. Of course. Take care. Take care. Thanks, Dr. Kat. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to yet another episode of Behind the Velvet Rope. Because without you listeners, I would just be a crazy person with voices in my head. And if you like what you hear, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe on Apple Podcasts under Behind the Velvet Rope. And when you're done subscribing, feel free to leave a five-star write-up review because the write-up reviews actually count. We read each and every one of them. We post the best ones and the reviews really help our shows keep going. And we really appreciate everything you guys say, especially the positive ones. And if you want to find us online, we're at Behind Velvet Rope on Instagram. We are at 
David Yontef on Instagram. We're behind The Velvet Rope on Apple Podcasts. Or head on over to Patreon, because you know what? There are just some things we can't talk about here. So for our bonus episodes, go to Patreon and type in Behind the Velvet Rope. And if you still aren't sick of me and you want more David, go to Cameo and book me on Cameo. And you can ask me anything there. I'll answer whatever you want. And I have a bargain basement price of $10. Thank you guys. See you soon.